strapped in the trenches Making moves going all out Every day handle business You know that the hustle don't stop Got my team, let's get it Reviewing books and talk stocks Steady keep it moving So you gon' wanna tune in Get Lowdown, it's an app Get local food on demand Delivery right to your home Everything in the palm of your hand Took hard work and dedication Come through, join the conversation This is history up in the making We just wanna be an inspiration Hey, let's go Welcome to another episode of Bootstrapped in the Trenches. Today is the entrepreneurial balance. We will be going into Gary Vaynerchuk's crushing it later. Before that, obviously, we'll be breaking down how we actually approach balance in our business and our take on how to really crush it and have balance simultaneously in the life of entrepreneurship. But like always, we've got to start with our Sunday night food commas, what's on store for tonight, and the uh, food news and food for thought. Dan, let's start with you. What went on last night with your dining? Um, last night, I got Chinese, and yeah, it was actually pretty good. I got chicken lo mein, I got some dumplings, and I got wonton soup, and I crushed it. There we go. That's what I call a Sunday night success right there. Boom. And Corey, how about you? Um, I had a good Sunday. I started with um, a nice brunch, got some pancakes, and um, this. I went to this place that's known for like their jellies and preservatives, which is not my thing, but it was really good. So I dabbled a little bit, little muffins and pancakes and jelly. Wait, Corey, what's not and, your thing? Uh, preservatives or jelly? It's just like I'm not a big yeah bread guy. I mean, I love bread, don't get me wrong, but I'm not like a big muffin and uh, and, and, and like breakfast type of bread. I don't know. It was different. Like it was like biscuits, croissants. So you're not a big Dan guy pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's not true. But, um, you know, it, it was a good breakfast all in all. And then I capped it off with a uh, traditional pizza Sunday night. And did you end up getting some Froyo? I actually did. Corey, this I, is turning into a routine. I mean, yeah, it's just uh, Sunday night Froyo, Sunday night Pinkberry. It's it's almost, you know, look at the clock and it's just that time. I mean, I think we started Sunday. that together back in the Denver days with Yogurt Land. Yeah, it's just preferred over ice cream. And, Why is um, that? It's just, I think it's a little bit healthier, but, you know, who knows? It really does uh, give you the shit. So. See, that's my question to you. Would you rather eat healthier knowing you're about to shit your brains out, which makes me wonder, is it actually healthier when that's happening? Or would you rather just go hard in the paint with you're going ice cream, eat ice cream? Like what's, what's the train of thought there? I'm going to step in here. I love ice cream, and I think it's way better than frozen yogurt. Not even comparable. It is better. Well, of course it's better. Corey's not- going after the health notion here. Uh, yeah, I mean, listen, I obviously had pizza and pancakes. It wasn't really the healthiest day. I should have just went ice cream. But uh, Pinkberry is like, at least in New York, it delivers in like 10 minutes. Whoa. And yeah, it, it's just like right down the street. It's, you know, there are a lot of good ice cream shops around me, but a lot of them close during the winter. How about gelato, Corey? Is that a big thing in New York? Definitely. Huge thing in New York, New Jersey. Love gelato. Um what there's I actually I, I'm a big custard guy. I love custard. Like you guys ever have Rita's? Of course, yeah. man. Dude, our mom's from Wisconsin. It's, it's the king, the queen or king, whatever you want to call it, of custard, the dairy state. Oh, yeah. Dan custard. and I used to literally just look forward to going to Wisconsin 
for cops frozen yogurt with my dad. They had the yeah, best custard. It's the best. And you remember that girl in Denver that actually her her uh, aunt and uncle were the owners of cops. Yeah. Yeah, I, I remember her. Her name, I believe, was Kristen. Kristen, Chris, yeah, yeah. There we go. Baritsky. Boom, baby. She was a leasing office agent, she right? She was at the Manhattan. Leasing. Yes. There we go. Shout out to her. Hope she, hopefully she's listening right now. Uh, I'm sure. How could she not be? <laughs> Uh, and yeah, and for me, I did actually last night Chinese as well. You know, I was really impressed. Imperial Chinese, I think they've gone healthy. I had a chicken and broccoli last night that I didn't feel bad about eating. Three hours later, I was feeling phenomenal. I had some chicken dumplings with that and then ended up doing a GoPuff order. I have to give it to GoPuff. I was a huge hater of GoPuffs until I actually started using their app. When I used them from ordering on Grubhub, they would never show up or show up with only a quarter of my order. The last couple of months, not saying they're the cheapest of the bunch, but these guys deliver pretty consistently and they've been on point. They have these amazing, those quinoa uh, dark chocolate peanut butter cups I was showing you guys, the unreal snacks. I have gotten addicted to these like straight up. Um, but no, I, I actually, I'm interested to see what they're doing. Cause I think they're trying to give seven 11 a run for their money. And I'm finally seeing where, because they, their menu is expanded and I like what their offerings are. They've kept it simple, stupid without the excess bullshit anymore. So someone's on point over there. And we can cut this out, but I, I hate them because when we wrapped Bloomington buses last, uh, a couple of years ago, they literally came in and they wrapped a bus in Bloomington, Indiana. Like, I just don't understand. You know yeah, who I hate? Up, is I, I hate that fucking, fucking company that we're paying. Sorry, whoever's in charge of that at Indiana, but it's, buses, not, yeah. it's not effective advertising. You're going to die as a company. Because the reality is no one... I was telling Jeff this earlier when I was talking about what we're getting into with the content media. The amount of buses I've seen past my apartment in the last week with a different brand on the back... I'm telling you, nobody has any clue what the hell any of this is. I agree, but in Bloomington, it was a different story. That bus passed like literally 15 times, and it's such a small area. Yeah. Like, you would just see the B-Town Medi's bus roll around. Well, we still, we still have it. Yeah, I agree. We? Bloomington, I, yeah, we I do. Think, I, we do? Yeah, Corey. We, dude, to yeah. let us know if you don't see it because they're going to be thought up we for cut a that out this year. No, no, no. This is our last year. We had to do a two-year contract. Two-year contract? Yeah. Oh, cool. If you don't see what that, though, let me know because they're going to have a problem if we actually dude. don't have that up. I'm sure they're up. <laughs> yeah. No, Dan, no, it's no joke. Like, I'm not joking. It's going to be up. I'm not like laughing because of what you're saying. It's just like they're going to obviously honor the contract. Our but, buses you know are going to be up there. That also shows, though, how passionate I am for us with this new project we're working on because – when you think about even back in the day when we started doing the bus advertising, the what ifs when something got broken down, just the stagnant, the lack of transparency and fluidity with that message, not knowing if it's up a random day, there's no trust there. You're relying on some media buyer that doesn't actually give a shit about your company. That's the I, problem. I mean, I agree with you on a national level. I will say that those buses in Bloomington specifically – they, there's, you know, they make our brands look next level legit. If you see, if you yeah, see that bus once and you're a college student, you're like, oh, this company's clearly a really legit company. And think about it before we started spending a lot of money on media, or at least this was how I felt like back in the day when I was younger, if I saw any sort of 
quote unquote legit form of advertising, whether it was a commercial, a bus, those types of things, I would immediately assume like, oh man, this is like a really, really legitimate company. And that was before I was in the world of understanding what those things cost and understanding that some of them is actually affordable. Most people do not know that. So when your average like freshman or sophomore sees a bus rat, they're thinking like, oh man, Bloomington or B-Town Menus is massive. I I honestly, I think that's not the case like it used to be, to be real with you. I think that was the case way more five or six years ago. I I, don't get me wrong. You can't not see the bus wraps. There's no doubt that gives us credibility. The question is when you see Uber, Delivery.com and all these national brands like Chick-fil-A doing the same thing, does it actually help us being on these buses? Like, does it make sense for us to do next year? Well, when you think about it, when you throw those brands, like the brands you just said, those are all the top brands in the world. So That's my point, when, though. They're all global national brands. Do no. we put ourselves in that traditional category with wanting to play that game? What I like is that students think that it's actually part of the university because like B-Town menu, it just, it, it's way more local and like niche. And in, I feel like students actually think when they see the bus that it's part of the university. Corey, I agree with I you. Benef- that's why I that benefit us. That's why though I get frustrated when I now that, see, that's what I thought was the case when we first decided to do that before they had these national brands on the buses now. But so do you still it. think that when Uber is on the, all the buses? Well, I think I, that I, it, for- yeah. First off, is Uber on the buses? Yeah, Uber Eats and McDonald's. They're all over Bloomington. Oh, the the co-branded Uber Eats and McDonald's thing, which is way more McDonald's than Uber Eats. But either way, that's a a national brand. Yeah, but but when you throw in the different types of brands that are advertising on a bus, it's all the top companies in the world. So when you throw our company in the mix and then you're putting yourself in a average person walking around looking at these things they're like oh uber mcdonald's b-town menus they're associating us with like these powerhouse brands which is exactly what we want so you're like you're saying dan we should definitely not yank these buses i'm not saying we should definitely not yank the buses but i'm not saying we shouldn't i'm definitely saying that i kind of think when it comes to that especially in a college town and especially the ones in bloomington which are like really powerful with the way they are i mean those bus wraps are kind of next level i have a couple of videos of them from when i was in bloomington. i just feel like if we're gonna do that continue we have to go harder in the pain with it to make sense of it i don't see the value in us just being on one bus Dude, the value is simple. It's basically all it takes is somebody seeing the bus one time to just have a subconscious thought that B-Town Menus is really, really big time and professional. Because when you see a bus wrap of that extent, that's what you're thinking. It's not the type of advertising that somebody needs to see thousands of times in order to use us. Because at the end of the day, we're shifting towards this media stuff anyway, and it's working and it's better for us. But if people are seeing food reviews and things like that, all it takes is them randomly seeing a bus, which is like really professional and well done. Maybe we redo it, but probably not. For them to be like, oh man, this company is actually big time. And yeah, I think there is something to be said for it. Like at the end of the day, as much as we talk about how traditional media is dying, it's not dead. And there is something to be said for certain things that give companies. I always thought it just gave a company that next level of validation. And when we first started doing commercials, in my opinion, that was the best part about it was like, oh, the people are going to see this and be like, oh man, this company is really, really legit. And this is the first time I'm really thinking about this again. But like way back in the day, I go back to before we were really biased and knew what all this stuff was, a commercial was a big deal. It was back in the day, not anymore. No, but but it's still like the the conception of 
a TV ad is, oh man, that that's expensive. That must cost a lot of money. Even though TV ads aren't necessarily quite as effective as maybe they used to be because people are on their phones. There's no doubt like a TV ad means this is a legit big company with a lot of money. And I think people do still have that mentality. You know what I think is interesting is when, yeah, tr- traditional media is dead. Like take newspapers, for example, right? No one's advertising in newspapers. They're dying. But last year, Supreme, which is like a huge clothing brand, dropped their line sheet only in the New York, in the New York Post. And they sold the New York Post that day sold more papers than they did in the height of their career, like on a typical day. So it's like when no one is actually advertising on traditional meeting any media anymore, sometimes it's interesting when a brand decides to use that because they're like one of the few to actually still do it and it catches your attention. I, I think that example is very unique and I like that. That's cool. Is that's unique, dope. My whole problem with dope. traditional mediums, they haven't priced in the change of the guards with times. The t- if you go and get a commercial in Bloomington or Boulder, they are not giving you different rates based on all the different types of ch- channels that didn't exist. And that's a problem. I, Major I problem. But, but yeah. if you look at a lot of our videos, so like the commercials included a ton of YouTube videos. And if you look at our YouTube commercials, like they have 50, 60,000 views. That's from the Comcast packages. I know, Corey, sure. my problem with that, I don't trust that, that, that when we go through those channels, I don't actually, tr- I have no trust in their system. Like I actually those, don't buy those views are, But those Corey, views are... I, that, that just, I just, I did not realize. I was like, God damn. I, I know when you said that last time. Yeah, I was like, yeah, what is a- this? That is, I did not realize that. I'm glad you just said that because my mind was like, what the fuck? Like, what happened here? How did these go? I mean, like, somewhat viral. Exactly. So, yeah, that's from those packages, which are, you know, numbers. Numbers don't lie. For sure. Yeah, no doubt about it. Um, yeah, I mean, look, at the end of the day, when you advertise on commercials, and YouTube, like they're, they're, it's happening. There's no doubt about it. We used to do the commercials. Oh, it's happening. I, is it working? Yeah. I don't. I don't think for most companies it is at all. Well, I no, think they're I mean, in the FOMO world where they think they need to do things like we were in for a while. And when you really well, break down the brass tacks of the accountability of the impressions for conversions, you need very wide margins to justify a lot of these media buys. That's the yeah, biggest I problem. Just, I, I still think that there is something to be said for companies like us that actually might benefit from a commercial more than a company like Uber, only because it, in my opinion, gives us a level of validation where if people see a commercial, they immediately assume that we're more professional and that we're on the same playing field as some of the competitors. And that's where I think, I, I, that's where I think commercials still have a place in marketing. Is for that reason alone. I think it has to be the right messaging. Like I'm with you if the price point makes sense and it actually is a commercial that is not one of these run in the mill, run of the mill things. I personally do not watch any commercials anymore at all. I can't stand them. I don't like any ads. Anytime I see an ad pop up on Spotify or anything for that matter, I tune out. Like no matter what it is, I'm checked out and I'm biased as shit on the other end of that. Yeah, no, I mean, look, I'm I'm the same way. I just think again, it, it's more about the the validation for smaller brands that is. I think for bigger brands, they don't even need to do it cuz it's all about if people seeing it them possibly combining that subconsciously with the other marketing that you're putting out 
which is more content driven, which is more personality driven, and it giving you this this different level of people looking at you and viewing you in a way of like, oh, this company is also really, really professional and legit. And that's where I just think, you know, people don't really look at social media as advertising. So if you're doing it effectively, the people that are successfully converting and things like that, they're not necessarily looking at what you're doing as even marketing. So for them to randomly see a bus ad or a commercial, that's the only time they're actually associating like your spend with, oh, this is advertising. And that, that's where it's like, oh, if they see you doing it and they see that you're spending money, I think for smaller brands, again, I keep saying validation, it makes you look more professional. It makes people think like, oh man, this company must actually have a lot of money. They must be doing well. Let me check them out. I think first that you have to trust them though. Like in Boulder, I think our reputation at the moment, it's not a good luck having a commercial running when a perception is, oh, these guys are more expensive. They're slow. The reality is I think it does more harm than good when you can't control the message I'm going, which is why I think we're on the right path here to be able to create these funnels and engage. Even with these reviews, we at least provide the platform and see comments and can take things from that. When we have these commercials blanketing, that's what it is. It's a blanket. You don't know what's under the blanket. I mean, when you say it's a blanket, when we're doing social media ads, it's also a blanket. No, but we're able to engage. It's it's not a blanket in the fact that you run an ad in Boulder. We're gaining a lot of insight on these people's comments. You don't get that. I I get it for YouTube, Corey, what you were talking about. When it comes to the overall, I just lost faith in the system through our Denver years, the last couple years. I mean, it's very binary. You could see it in the lack of conversions and people selling you a bill of goods. It's like, well, this is great. How are 100,000 impressions not leading to a new user? So that, that's my ongoing thing there. It's like, what does an impression actually mean if it's not impressing anybody? I mean, look, you're right in the sense that you can't actually track TV commercials, but you know, you're wrong in the sense that we weren't growing at our ultimate point when we were doing all that stuff. Obviously, we had to cut back on certain things here, certain things there, but we stopped running commercials in Boulder, let's say a year and a half, two years ago. Like when we say they weren't working, we were running commercials in Boulder like at the same time period that we were doing over a thousand orders a day. Well, yeah, without competition. Of course, it works without saturation, but that's again a pissing contest. We can go yeah, even Bloomington last year, I think last year was the last year we ran commercials in Bloomington. I believe we did it last year, right? Yeah. I think yeah, so, yeah. So, I mean, definitely. A little steep drop from last year. I mean, who knows? Obviously, it's a... I, I think in our industry, it, we, it, this is all price point driven with us. There, you can We can talk till we're blue in the face. We could have no, spent a million I, I dollars this year. It wouldn't matter. It's yeah. more expensive. It's... Yeah. Yeah, it's, I think we're on the, obviously we all, that's the beauty of marketing. It's so much trial and error and not really, they're not being a right or wrong with a lot of things, but it's clear with what we're doing, I think, at at least when you compare to other people in our space that are not Uber or DoorDash or Grubhub, I think we're doing the best we can with being genuine, authentic, organic, and like really making a concerted effort to a concerted effort to create for people and engage with yeah. them. And that's what it's all about right now. So yeah, we're doing a good job. Hell yeah. Um, and Corey on that note, what's going on? What should we, Oh, well, let's start with the food news.
so the food news, I feel like with everything going on, it's good to start with the coronavirus stuff. People have been into that. We've been getting some feedback on that. So here's where we're at. There's been 79,000 cases. There's been 2,600 deaths. It's starting to be more of a worldwide thing now. Um, it's popping off in Italy, some other countries. The market plunged over a thousand points today, which was the worst day in over two years. A lot of that was because of the coronavirus. Some people say it could have been because of Bernie Sanders. Who really knows why the hell that was? It's Bernie. It's the burn. It, I mean, the market was definitely feeling the burn today, but uh, the coronavirus thing is pretty crazy. And I'll, I mean, I'll let you guys get into it, but I'll just say this that. I uh, to add to that, there was this article that I came across, and it was basically a resident in Wuhan feeling like, and Wuhan's where this all started, and they're basically saying that like it's turned into straight up refugee status, where they used to be able to leave their homes like a few times a week to go get basic goods and stuff like that. Now they're not able to leave their goods at all, their home at all, and apparently these people are freaking out that they have like a really limited supply of food and they're worrying like what's going to happen in two weeks. Like, are they going to run out of food? Are they going to starve? There's like babies that aren't getting their powdered milk. There's all kinds of crazy things going on over there that I don't even think people are talking about or that people really know about China. You, you know what? Up, the way they operate, it would crazy. not shock me if they're just killing people off, letting them starve to death to try if someone's infected that as fucked up as it sounds, we wouldn't hear about it. But that's where China is, in, in my opinion, in a lot of trouble in the next few years now with social media, younger people thinking differently. You can't have a regime the way they've been operating the last couple decades and, uh, and figure out a way to be a world power. I don't see it. I think they're going to be breaking up, and this is the beginning of the end for China. Uh, I'm convinced of that. Yeah, it's nuts. I saw – and then 14 uh, U.S. – I think today uh, 14 U.S. Yeah. residents were confirmed to have the coronavirus. Um, and then I saw, obviously, everything over the weekend with South Korea. Like, the numbers just went crazy with the coronavirus. And, and also, Iran, yeah, it's not looking good. Iran's the other place. That Iran. Off. Yeah. I mean, it's just starting to spread all over. And, <laughs> which is not good. And now the now the narrative's going to take over with the market. It'll be interesting to see what happens tomorrow, but you know, the Japan market was closed up until basically right now it's opening right now because it's different time zone, but uh, apparently it opened down 4% and you know, this is when it'll get interesting. Uh, it's going down more. This uh, to me, the coronavirus is not the real culprit here. It's Bernie Sanders having a chance to be in the next president, uh, a legit chance to. I can guarantee you that is the real big. The coronavirus is no joke. What's going to happen though is that this is a perfect storm of that and Bernie having a shot. And there's now talk that Trump is not healthy. There's been some stuff going on behind the scenes that is actually, um, to the, for the first time in the last 24 hours, starting to be a bit concerned that he's going to be dethroned. Oh, really? And for me, to th for me to think that is a major problem because I've been a staunch yeah. Trump supporter. What are they saying about his health? I haven't heard that. He's got something. That, it sounds like the last rally, there were some causes of concern with how he was looking, speaking. Just, you know, it, it's clear that this is not going to – it seems like Bernie is gaining the momentum Trump gained four years ago. It, with it, the timing. 
Uh, yeah, it, it, it does. <laughs> and even if you look at some of the betting websites, it's it's starting to look a bit iffy for Trump. Well, you know, we'll see what happens. I mean, but that that is something. If that's the train of thought that Bernie Sanders, uh, the whole socialism label as our next president, we're gonna have a, a at least short term. I think there'll be massive great value opportunities during the that run in the beginning because I, he's not going to get anything done and he'll be a one-term president. So I do think we're in great shape if you could you know get all that noise out of the equation and just look at the long term here. And as long as you're not caring about the next year, it's going to be great. But I think we're in for an absolute rude awakening with way more you, turmoil. Yeah, we're not going to really know about his health because the White House is going to do everything to protect him. Yep in terms of his health and they're not going to say anything. They're going to say everything's fine. And, you know, he's getting older. He eats like shit. He's not a good seven. That's the problem with Trump. He eats like shit and he's not even, the guy is, I think, 73, but it's more the way he treats himself 10 years older than that. And Yeah, like if you look at him and Bloomberg, they're complete opposites, similar in age. Yeah, and, you know, I think Trump also, you're, he's starting to sound like Hillary with the slurring. Like I was not liking that at his last rally. There were some things where I'm like, okay, this is becoming now problematic. Oh wow! Yeah, I thought he was having a stroke at one point. So I guess it's time to get on the Bloomberg train. As much as I hate to say it, I'm not. That's the only guy I would even think of supporting wow. in this mess. So Mike, are you? I was. Uh, are, are you making? No, go ahead. Are you making a prediction right now that Bernie Sanders is going to be the next president? Like, what are you officially? I'm not going to go on that limb yet. I want to see how far a billionaire can go with spending to win the election with Bloomberg. I think he has way more in his arsenal than we realize, especially if his campaign manager is toying with the idea of working with the rolling group. That that completely <laughs> changes the landscape for that team. I'm definitely going to place a bet on him. Bloomberg? Just for... Yeah, I he, mean, I, I, I wanted to do it. I wanted to do it in the last election, if you remember, in 2016. Yep, I like really wanted to do it, and uh, he didn't end up running. But there was like crazy odds. But yeah, I always liked Bloomberg. Uh, yeah, uh, I, I honestly, but, I'm not a fan of the guy personally. I've never met him though. I mean, if they want to throw us a bone, that'll change instantly. I'll be a huge Michael Bloomberg guy. Oh uh, yeah, I get a tattoo on my ass. Oh, me too, dude. I'll, I'll get one on my forehead. So yeah, that'll be. Uh, you know, I'm just gonna throw this out there. You're commenting about Trump's health. Bernie's health sucks. Like at the last debate, his face was so damn blood red. He like he I don't know. He just looked terrible. Yeah, I mean the guy's you know he's going on eighty. He just had a heart attack in October, and I'm sure he eats corned beef and pastrami twenty four seven. He looks like he's in That's a Jewish thing. deli. Non-profit. Literally. Three of the prime candidates are over 75 years old. That's why I was telling Dan, Corey, Buttigieg, like the guy to me, I'm not saying, I don't know if the country actually, the way we're divided and how much hate there is out there. I don't see a gay president coming yet. No chance. I think we're still a few years from that. But in saying that, when you you bring up a great point, everyone is so damn old, except that guy. When you really break down all these people, I'm just like, what are we hanging out with our grandpa at the community home he was in? It's ridiculous, but I don't think we're a few years from that. I think we're so far from that. Think no, we're not, Dan. I no, think, we're not. I think we Dude, are. Dude, we had a black president. The gay uh, thing actually, is like... That's a good point. That's a good point. Yeah, come on. Yeah. I thought that was way... When that happened, that opened up the floodgates. Uh, to me, that was more unlikely than a gay president. I mean, it was more likely to happen last 
election yeah. after after Obama. Well, I'll be honest. With Trump in office, yeah, go ahead. Well, no, I was just going to say the reason that I was even saying that was because I was imagining – I was just thinking about the fact that Trump is in office and the people that – Corey is yeah, on exactly. about that. Yeah. yeah, that I think that just – took everything and threw it out the window. <laughs> I think it also, though, highlighted how divided, like, it was funny. I think we broke this down a few weeks ago a little, but not even on the podcast. The Jim Crow book, which I actually think we should all read on one of the episodes here because it goes over the actual racial divide in our country. And wh- love or hate Trump, the guy has highlighted, oh, in the Obama era, everyone just figured, not everyone, but a lot of people wrongly assumed racism didn't exist anymore, which it couldn't have been further from the truth. Obama being elected really, uh, to me, masked a lot of those problems. And Trump being elected brought out the fact that we are a very racially divided country, more than really, I'm not going to say ever before, but there's a lot of issues with that currently. And that's where I think you're right, Corey. We need another few years before a gay president will probably be accepted fully by everybody. But in saying that, that is the scary thing. The Bernie thing, he might end up by default being a one-term president here with all this shit show going on. I, I don't I just I just think that with Bernie and Bloomberg, I think it just strongly gives the edge to Trump if he's healthy. Yeah, I agree. Because- I agree with that. Take, yeah, too many people are. Some people are going to vote for Bloomberg. Some people there. There's too many Democratic candidates that are taking away votes from one candidate, and that's going to give Trump the easy victory. It is hard In to imagine opinion. Sanders beating Trump one on one, unless there's something like physically that happens to Trump during the run up that is like detrimental to his votes. I don't see. I can't see Democrats fully getting behind a socialist. Like, I, I actually can. It's hard to fathom. I'm not I get there's a lot of people. What's up? I'm not even seeing much on the internet about Trump's health not being good. I, I've been, like, trying to look up what, what you guys are even talking about. You could find that he just went – he had an unexpected visit to a hospital, and the White House is kind of protecting everything. Uh, yeah, and he looked – the last rally he had was just off. He was not himself. Slurring his words for sure. Slurring his words. His energy was not on point. It just, I'm hoping it was nothing crazy, but it's something that, that, the fact that someone, like I've been a big Trump backer since day one. And I, seeing that was a huge cause of alarm. My, my intuition, my initial reaction was, oh, fuck. Remember here, this is something. All right. So remember what we already know about President Trump's health. He's 73 years old. He's the oldest person ever elected to a first term as president. In his most recent physical exam conduction in February, he uh, clocked in at two, 243 pounds. Jesus. So, so he's not tall. He's 243 pounds. He's 73. His eating habits aren't great. His <laughs> cholesterol is pretty high. It says um, he's been diagnosed with a common form of heart disease and high cholesterol. Never good. Um, his heart disease meant that president had a moderate risk of a heart attack in the following three to five years. Yeah. I mean, Sean Connell has predicted he wouldn't make it through his next term. Not saying that guy has had any track record of success in politic predictions, but it's just, that is a thing that could lead to people swaying away from voting for him. But you could say the same thing about Sanders. Like he just had a heart attack. I think Sanders supporters are absolutely lunatics. That's true. I don't think those people think rationally about anything. 
And I'm not, I, you know, you can hate me all you on listeners, Sanders supporters out there. I'm just being real. My thoughts are Sanders isn't actually good for America at all. I don't think this is even an opinion. I think the guy is an utter disaster. And I, anyone that actually is supporting him, I don't think you're really looking at what it is he's behind. Because giving everyone freebies is not a, a way to build America at all. I think Trump should just uh, start like a, a vegan campaign where he goes vegan for the next like 10 months. Corey, and I feel dead. like that would... He would <laughs> yeah, but he would sway a lot of uh, Democratic voters to that vote for him. That would be funny. They, they were doing a whole thing. I sent Dan on this about uh, he's on this trip to India about how the Indian Moti, their prime minister, does not eat meat. He's vegan. So they were like cracking up with like, what is Trump going to do on some of his trips? He's had steaked in twice in a day. So he's definitely not a guy that's going to eat vegetables and non-meat for a few days straight. <laughs> what do you guys th- see him doing there as an audible when they give him some spinach and chickpeas? Yeah, I mean, I feel like he just can't hide his emotions. Yeah, I know. So is he going to be like, hey, bud, do you have McDonald's here? I'll like, be, what, what do you see that going down? He'll be like? like a little baby on a high chair. If you feed him beans that he doesn't want, he's just like, no, I don't want it. And just- <laughs> I can see that. Yeah, or like my old move when I was in like sixth grade and hated every food, I would just like, eat it and then like spit into a napkin and like roll it. Oh, Corey, I always did that. That was genius. <laughs> I feel like us kids yeah. were very clever at figuring out how to not eat shit. Yeah. Especially you go to like a friend's house and their mom cooks a gross meal, like <laughs> stuffed cabbage that no one wants when they're like nine years old. You know, I have to give it to my friend's moms back in the day. I don't <laughs> recall being, I used to manipulate what was on the menu a lot when I got there where I would always figure out ways to like drop hints of how much I loved a certain dish just to get them to make it. Like, yeah, I did a whole report once on my buddy Blaze's mom's chocolate chip cookies just because I wanted her to make them. And sure enough, she made hundreds of cookies for the class and gave me like an extra couple tubs since she was so happy I talked her up. Yeah, shout out uh, Jeff Dorman, our number one listener. His mom used to make sh- her go-to was like cinnamon toast or uh, sorry, cinnamon toast crunch or frosted flakes covered chicken, Ooh. and she used to bake it. And it was it was so good. Wow can can we ever make that at some point in the next few weeks? Yeah, yeah, we can definitely get that. Uh, Jeff, arranged. get Shelly and more on the horn here. <laughs> I don't know if this is part of like my second grade stomach appetite, especially when it comes to breakfast items, but I've never liked the combination of breakfast and chicken, like the whole waffles and fried chicken or steak and eggs. Why is or, that, Dan? I, I don't know. It's just, it just grows. Yeah, like I want have you embraced it though fully? Like have you ever actually gone in and done steak and eggs or chicken and waffles? No. So you've never steak tried and eggs. Well, steak and eggs are phenomenal. I've, they are phenomenal. I've, so are chicken and waffles. I've definitely yeah. tried the chicken and waffles thing, and it, it, it's tough for me to get behind. Maybe I got to try it again. I've never even tried the steak and eggs. I don't know, man. It's I have a weird – like I, there's things – there's certain things that I hate and certain things that I like, and I'll admit that even though I do like a wide variety of cuisines – I know I do like any type of cuisine that exists. Like I love Indian, Japanese, Chinese, like I love it all. But when it comes to certain American foods, I like it in its most basic form. Like even, even when I was in Charleston and by the way, I'm moving to Charleston to our listeners. Boom, baby. It's a Congratulations. Yeah, Congratulations. That is awesome. Moving down there. When? On, 
Uh, probably going to be leaving like maybe on like Sunday or Monday. I mean, my lease is up. On, oh, yeah. I mean, but yeah. Anyway. Amazing. Congrats. No, no, no. Do, you have a, do you have any questions about it? <laughs> Question? No. I was, I was just thinking that that's like knowing you for a while and, and living with you. That is true. You have, I've always seen you eat any cuisine from Indian to Italian to whatever. But you just don't like things like as simple as cheese or, you know, yeah, I don't like, like just cheese. little things. And even when I was in Charleston and I went, like, went out and I got fried chicken at this place and like I don't even want like gravy on my fried chicken or like – Dan's not a hybrid guy. He doesn't like mixing things. He wants his food like he likes it, sushi, yeah. non-bread with tandoori chicken. You're not giving him – waffles and then asking him to throw fried chicken on that that needs to be separated it needs to be separated I understand two that. separate meals like i need to have the waffles for breakfast and the fried chicken for dinner i can't have them Not see even- that's why we make such a great team i'm the exact opposite like that i actually like go in wanting that smorgasbord like remember we used to have that uh what was that place in denver the Latin Asian fusion zacolo or not zango do they are they still open in new york Corey? Yeah, I had it last week. Oh, we'll have to Two go there. Ago. We'll have to break brunch there. It's good. We used to go there, Dan, in Denver. Corey and I, you came a couple times. Yeah, ago. for sure. That place, I just, the, the idea of mixing waffle with dumplings and some rice, I mean, that's my happy place. I will say that. I love it. Yeah, that's that. a good place. That place was awesome. And again, even at that place, you're having the waffle and then the dumpling. And then so it's like one thing at a time. You're not like having. It is separate. Separate. And I could do that. Yeah. Al buffets because Al split up. Even when I go to buffets, that's actually a perfect example. When I go to a buffet, I will literally have breakfast, lunch, and then dinner within one meal, but space it out. Like first, I'm gonna go so- for the eggs, the bacon, and the toast because I gotta just like get that in my stomach. Then I might go in for like a sushi lunch, like right after, and then after that, maybe wow. I'll go in for like a roasted chicken. But I'm not gonna combine them all. I need to space them out. I, I, I can see that. I mean, at a buffet, I, I respect that. I've had both occasions where I'll just go for a smorgasbord on one plate. It makes it difficult to distinguish for the taste buds sometimes. It does. So that's that. And Corey, wait, we got to ask Corey here. He's in Bloomington. Are you going butches tonight or what's what's going on? Yeah. You know what, tonight, I mean, I am pretty fucking exhausted, but um... – I, I'm, I'm the hotel I'm staying at is on Kirkwood, so there's like a million restaurants. I figured I was just gonna go pick something up real quick or go dine in at a new restaurant. There's like three new restaurants right here. Meet the owner, hell yeah, and you know strike up a conversation. I'm only here for I have pretty much all day tomorrow. I have like five restaurant or five meetings lined up, but there's so many new spots. I couldn't believe it. Hell yeah, like there there's easily like ten to fifteen spots now that we don't have. And uh, yeah, I hate that more than anything. Nothing grinds my gears I more than a restaurant that you know how I am. It gets in your head where you're just like, "What the fuck?" I, I, that's great. Yeah. That shows what a beast salesman you are. Where you're like clocked like that. Where it's like, "Are you shitting me?" Yeah, it, it just like it actually like it just gives me anxiety. Corey, you want to go into food for thought though? While yeah, so food for thought. Um, I figure I just wanted to. I know Mike. Um, he, if you guys follow us on Tumblr, Mike, how could they follow us on Tumblr? Is there a, is there a way to? 
That's a great question, Corey. Let me see. I know we have that linked on our emails and everything. All right, so Let for me all see. of you who How just is- follow us on social media, you can. We're at Lodell HQ on both Facebook and Instagram. Mike is always posting our Tumblr, his blogs that he posts pretty much daily um, on Btown Menus on Instagram, or Btown Menus on Facebook, Hungry Buffs on Facebook. But he does a lot of these food facts, food hacks, all that kind of stuff. But I found um, a bunch of interesting ones today. Um, I was at the airport all day. I had a crazy uh, layover just to get to Indianapolis because it was the only cheap flight. So I went from like India to North Carolina. I mean, it's from New York. To- That's dedication right there, yeah, it's a co- I'm, I'm a company man through and through. Um, you are. <laughs> so anyway, back to food for thought. The first one, it's just a bunch of food facts, um, but bird saliva is actually an expensive delicacy in certain areas. And this has probably a lot to do with the coronavirus in China because it's big in uh, in China. So they actually collect bird saliva and they make it into a soup. And it's a huge delicacy there. And for in people in China, like they actually forget caviar and they're more about bird saliva. Maybe it's time to get sway away from the soups with exotic animals and saliva. Bird saliva and how it's a huge delicacy in uh, in China. And they mix it with water and a couple other flavors. And they use it as a soup. And it has extreme health benefits, similar to the bone broth benefits, where it has a lot of protein. It has a lot of things you would never ordinarily get in your typical day-to-day soup. But supposedly the flavor is, as they put it, exquisite. And it's, you know, just one of those things that they eat a lot of. And I mean, in China in general, it eats a lot of animal food products, as we know. So maybe I won't count myself out on bird saliva. I don't know if anybody watches uh, James Corden, one of the late night shows, but he does like a, a table where there's like all these disgusting foods. Bird saliva is one of them. And if you don't, he asks questions. If you don't answer the questions, you have to eat the gross food. And bird saliva is one of those things. So it's kind of gone viral on the internet. So Corey, would you eat it? I think I'm really open to anything right now. The coronavirus with the, how it started with the bat meat, like kind of just grossed me out from eating a lot of meats that I would probably try, but you know, I'm pretty open to trying anything. So has this at all thought, like with this coronavirus spreading, have you at all considered going vegan or vegetarian from this? No. <laughs> not not even in the slightest. I, you know, it's just like I've tried it for a couple of weeks. Um, I, I'm just always, I work out so much. I'm always hungry. I don't know about you guys, but you, I need, I, need yeah. I mean, there's like obviously proteins that can fill you up. But for me, I, I need like grilled chicken, like Eric Shipper. Um, oh, shout out, shout out to the shout beast. Shout out to the beast. Has Eric and Greg broke bread yet? No, but um, side note, Dave Becker hired at Invisalign with Greg's oh, company. So yeah. Really? So he, he went away. He went from Indeed to Invisalign. The that guy is guy. such a job yeah. whore. It's not even funny. He is. Yeah. But, um, supposedly, so Greg said it's one of the hardest jobs to get in the in the company. It's, it's He's like going to be a Queen's Territory manager, but he, I think he actually might be working for Greg. I'm not sure. I'm pretty, I'm pretty That's sure. That's hysterical. Though. Oh, man. Yeah. So he's Greg's little, like, mentee. 
<laughs> yeah, exactly. Do they know each other, or did they just see each other once on a soccer field, maybe? Um, so they've met uh, before because Dave met uh, used to date one of my friends, who's Greg's friend's brother, Jesse Linker. And uh, but so yeah, Dave. Je- oh, Dave. Je- oh, yeah. He dated Jesse's sister. I was telling Dan about that actually. The yeah. Other day. And I got- before I move on. Greg said that uh, Dave's called him about 15 to 17 times. <laughs> Whoa. Talk about persistence. I mean, you know, hey, man, good yeah. for Dave getting getting Greg going think, there. Yeah, no, Greg liked it. But. <laughs> do you think Dave, I love the thought of that. Do you think Dave has had more jobs or girlfriends in the last 10 years? Wow. wow. Dave, that's a great food for thought question right there. Honestly, I can answer that personally, and it's jobs. <laughs> really? Is it like seven to six? I, mean, I, mean, I feel close, like we're getting close. close. I think it's like a, a five to five to three or six to four range. You, you got to give it to Dave. He, he's good on the fly. The guy, he, Miami, Denver, New York, six girlfriends, seven jobs. I mean, he's he. When you talk about adaptability, Dave Becker, yeah, he's up there. He's shameless in the sense that he'll move anywhere, and uh, yeah, he's not afraid to, you know. Go out and do something. See, that we should head. definitely like. I love the idea of just having like random ass people on the podcast. Like, we should probably have Dave on the podcast now that we did a whole two minute little. Of yeah. course, I agree. Yeah. Like, yeah. I think. I we mean, sh- guys, it's bootstrapped in the trenches. I actually do think it makes a lot of sense for us to have everyday people on here, not just celebs or like Tim Ferriss or Chris Miller. You know. I, Corey, you, know, you would have cracked up the other night. Chris was doing the Gary V impersonation yeah, where he just like, gets all excited. What'd you think? Yeah, it was good. It was funny. Yeah, that me, guy's a character. Chris Miller cracks me up. He's great. Yeah. But, um, Back to yeah, future that, thought. So I don't know if you guys know this, but the FDA actually allows you to have uh, a trace of insects in your food. So every single thing you eat actually has a trace of insects. And another tidbit that is not on my list, but that I learned yesterday is that New York water is so good, not because it's just like New York tap water and all these things that everyone thinks. It actually has little tiny duck particles that float in the water that clean it out. It actually cleans it out and makes it more, because New York is one of the only places that actually doesn't use a filtration system on their water. And it has these little duck particles inside the duck. water. Duck. Wow. Yeah. Interesting. I, so I guess uh, when I get to New York, I, all I have to do is turn on the faucet and I'm golden. Dude, that's the best part. You don't have to buy water bottles. It's it. it's Corey, great. do you do the whole – do you have one of those? Because I've realized I got to stop spending money on sparkling water and just get one of those. Yeah, dude, I have you know, one. It's amazing. It actually works great. It works great. I, I don't use it as much as I'd like to, but it, it definitely works great. So I could literally get something where it, it filtrates yeah. right into sparkling water from the faucet. Yeah, they're seventy nine dollars. Oh. I actually bought it for uh for a buddy, Josh. Do you for- know how much money that's gonna save me, guys? Like do you realize how much I splurge on sparkling water? I, I realize yeah. 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 Not, not only do you splurge a lot, but like you only really drink about an eighth of each of them. <laughs> that's good. It's, it's like new thing. stocks. It's the same thing. I'll, I'll get socks. I'll wear them once and they disappear. That's the thing I always steps. joke around. Yeah, yeah. I, I joke around with guys. If I ever hit the lotto or we get paid fuck you money one day for this business, oh, I'm, I'm a happy camper. Give me unlimited sparkling water and new socks and we're golden. <laughs> <laughs> On that note, well, um, so f- these days, fruit and vegetables, 
they're less nutritious than they ever used to be. Um, and the reason to that is just because the way they're grown by farmers now, there's more chemicals, obviously. Um, and yeah, kind of, you know, nothing that we didn't know, but they're way more, they're way less nutritious than they were years ago. So Donald Trump might be on to something here, not eating vegetables. Yeah, it, it was suggested that you would have to eat eight times the amount of oranges now to get the same amount of vitamin A as your grandparents would have uh, years before. So my question there, Corey, do you think we're just better off eating vitamins to stay efficient and not make ourselves shit our brains out? Because every time I go hard in the paint on veggies and fruits, I shit more than when I don't. So I ask myself, like, am I even eating healthy by doing that? Another thing, a lot of people don't know that fruit actually has a lot of carbs. So people Big are time. like, yeah, people are like, oh, I'm like, you know, not eating carbs. And then they're just eating fruit. It's like, you know, I've never really thought fruit was good for you. Anytime I'm tasting something delicious and want more of it, I'm asking myself, like, what is this actually doing for me? Yeah, you want to stick with the berries. Berries are the best. Lower, lower in sugars, blueberries, raspberries, blackberries. Uh-huh. Uh, and melon. Melon's really good, too. I'm not a big melon me, fan, Corey. Me neither. Hey, melon. Well, there, there you go, because they're healthy. I, you know, I, I actually, I, I don't know if it was, my mom used to serve melon when we were kids, like before dinner all the she time. Did. And I, I just never, you know what I mean, Dan? That never sat sure, well yeah. with me. I was like, what are we doing eating this prior to now dinner? Now that I think about it, it was a very weird pre-dinner snack, melon. She would do it. It's not, I get it after dinner, like, or at least something, that doesn't cleanse my palate getting ready for she dinner. Did it That's not a, that was like an every night thing. Did she do it with like an Italian meat? Because I know like in Italy they put like prosciutto and melon wrapped. Nah. That would have been smart, Corey. She, That's the way to actually do that. But she's not an sweet. Italian cook. That's the problem. She, My buddy Frank Eisenban, his mom used to do that constantly. She, well, yeah. I'd show up at his house after school. There'd be prosciutto with melon waiting for us in homemade she's pasta. I'm shocked there wasn't mortadella. She's a Jew. Yeah. Oh. You know, we should get the mortadella, uh, the king of mortadella on here at some point. That would be entertaining. And this one I thought was pretty interesting. Um, So if you chew coffee beans, it actually helps eliminate bad breath. But that I found interesting because when you drink coffee, you get that coffee breath. So it's kind of weird that you chew coffee beans and it helps out. We have some friends that that can definitely come in handy with that, with the bad breath issue. So they should be going hard in the pain with that immediately. We'll let them know. Corey, is that one of your biggest pet peeves, close talkers that have bad breath? That's my biggest Close talkers, right? it's up there. Close talkers is actually like my biggest pet peeve, especially uh, when people are drunk and then they start, they're like closer and they like are talking louder. I'm like, dude, it's so annoying. It's like, dude, I can literally like see your teeth on another intimate level. It's a problem. (laughs) Is that a coffee stain? I don't even know, but get away. Just just back, back up. Okay. That's really when you think of the uh, impression arm's length, that's what it really is for. Yeah. It's I mean, close talkers. It, it's just like such a curb your enthusiasm episode. A big time. Yeah. Oh, man. I uh, feel like I've been in those situations a few times in life where I'm like, is this person fucking with me or is this going to be something that I have to bring up <laughs> as an issue? And then my last two, they're kind of tied together, but and actually tied together with the fruit one. But they're saying now, obviously, I know, uh, Mike, I know you know this, Dan. I'm sure you know this too, but dark chocolate, I know, Mike, you love it. Um, it's just as healthy as fruit. So if you if you do eat the high cocoa level, the dark cocoa level, it's just as healthy as eating fruit. It's got, you know, the same benefits. It actually has more antioxidants. So, oh. 
Perfect. I'm done. I'm chucking out all the oranges, all that shit. It's over. I'm just sticking to dark chocolate. And then in, in Extreme Buzzkill, there's a good chance that chocolate supplies may run out uh, within the next 20 years. So That's when we have a, an actual Houston, we have a problem. Like if chocolate runs out, there's very few things that I, I would feel like upset about if we ran out of in the world, like food wise. That, that might be on the top of the list with dumplings. Oh, wait. I'm, yeah. Chocolate made from cocoa, which is a plant, right? So dark chocolate, the higher the cocoa content. So like um, you'll see dark chocolate, it'll say like 72% cocoa or cacao, whatever it's called. Yeah. And um, after like an 80% or 70 something percent, it's healthier and healthier for you. And it has more antioxidants than fruit has. Yeah, but. So it's got to be. No, go ahead. It has to be dark chocolate and has to have a high percentage of cacao. Mm. That makes sense then. There's clearly a, a limited supply of cacao beans. But cacao, like, can't you just grow them? Aren't they trees? Well, I don't know if they're... Wait, hold on. First off, I'm calling them cocoa. That's where cocoa comes from. It, I like cacao. Yeah. I like the, the name cacao. of cocoa, cacao trees cacao. have an intense bitter taste. It must be fermented to develop the flavor. Yeah. Blah, 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 blah. That just, or is it cocoa? I'm just wondering like, how you could run out of something that's seed-related that you can grow more of. I'm not buying that. Yeah. Uh, well, cloning is existing too with that stuff soon. It just says there's just such high demand. For starters, prices of your favorite chocolate bars have in recent years been on the rise. The bars have been shrinking in size due to the growing global demand for cocoa. In addition, cocoa. the additional demand for emerging – this is for regular chocolate, like milk chocolate. Okay. So in addition, the additional demand from emerging mass markets such as China, India, and Indonesia, Brazil, Russia mean there aren't enough cacao trees, <laughs> two different things, to meet demand and the possibility of a supply shortfall could be on the way. Oh boy, that'll cause a world war. It will, maybe. And that's food for thought. Uh, I love it, Corey. Great work. Um, can I just throw in an ad read? Yeah, what is it first? Oh, pop. No. Are you guys ready for it? Sure. Throw away your punch card and enroll in the Low Dell Rewards Program. With the Low Dell Rewards Program, you get points every time you place an order. Use the points at the Lodell store to buy items like headphones, Alexas, and even ski tickets. What are you waiting for? Enroll today. Eat your way to food, flights, and then some. It did. In saying that, what, what number are we on to? Uh, how many people have subscribed so far to the Lodell reward points? I haven't checked. I'm going to have to update you guys on that. I'll find out and give you guys an update tomorrow. But we were in day one up to almost 500, 500. right? Day one, we had like 75% of the customers that placed orders that day also enroll in the program, which is awesome because you don't need mm. to enroll when you order. It's like an extra thing you do. So, yeah. What's awesome about that is that that makes, makes us feel good about retention and someone naturally planning on ordering from us again. I agree. So that that's a very good sign. Yeah. Dude. Cool. I love it. Good stuff. You guys say I know um, I got disconnected before Corey started doing his thing, but uh, another thing I had on the food news that's just crazy is did you guys see the Supreme Oreos that were going for like over 90 grand on eBay, a pack of three? That's how much they went wow. for. I saw originally they, were, they so they retailed for $8. 
which is crazy that they're selling for that much. But yeah, I mean, everything Supreme does. Yeah. Like I was saying before, the, the newspaper, like the, who does that? And it just sells out. It's crazy. No, it is crazy. And uh, That's yeah, awesome. it didn't actually sell, but I saw that they were like listed for that. There were ones that had sold for like over 25 grand, which was crazy. So that's so wild. It just shows yeah. also that whole mentality where like people buzz is created around something like remember the Nintendo Wii where they strategically held back some just to crank up the whole notion of them being out. And then people paid an arm and a leg to be the guy or a girl that got one. Yeezys. Yeah. So there's, there you go. Yeah. Supply and demand. Interesting. Well, Guys, on that note, we uh, we read Crushing It this week, Gary Vaynerchuk's most recent book. Uh, it really dives into a lot of what we deal with on a daily basis. A couple things, one being when you think about it, the balance in entrepreneurship. He didn't go into it much, but I felt that underlying theme throughout of what separates the good from the great. But with that, when you have to make a concerted effort every damn day to build something. A, a lot of this book revolved around community building, people that were building up personal brands from scratch, having supplemental incomes, going from a nine to five to then becoming their own behemoth through their own hustle. And it just made me think the best thing for us to start with is what do you guys consider the perfect balance? And in, in a way where do you actually think it's possible to be an extremely successful when I'm talking successful, I'm talking financial at first here, not just in life. Financially, a beast in entrepreneurship at the top of the field and have balance in other parts of life. Do you see, because I see guys like Gary Vaynerchuk. Yeah, he has a family. He doesn't tell everyone he doesn't work on weekends. As, as part of his brand is I'm always at it. I get it. But a guy like that has figured out over time how to have balance. But my question to you guys, do you think there's a way to have that balance on the up and up when you're in that mode Kind of like what we're in now, expanding our business, evolving it, working on staying relevant and turning into something special. Well, what I like about it, it's a different kind of balance. So like what, you know, with, with all these social media channels and staying active on them, you could still be doing whatever it is you're doing and still make it work on social. And what I like about Gary V is he's found his balance the entire time by never working Sundays in terms of that's his family day. That's his Jets football day. He's always had that one day where, you know, he claims to not really be doing anything and just spending time with his family, his wife and kids and, and watching football, which is his passion. But that is the beauty of the internet and the beauty of all of this is you can really be doing anything and still make content from anywhere, any place and, and find that balance in life. I mean, obviously, as we know, um, I mean, weekends we're all getting emails we're all getting shit to do it's it's non-stop when you're an entrepreneur it's a lifestyle business and that's why it's not for everyone but you can make it where there is a balance and find happiness while still grinding your ass off and you know making as much money as possible i got a question for you and this kind of i guess just goes hand in hand with what you're saying but like when you really look at somebody who's considered super successful like Gary Vee, for example, do you put him on the same playing field as a Steve Jobs or an Elon Musk, someone who's actually created something that's changed the world? Because that's where I, I almost separate in my mind these influencers who 
you know, the Tim Ferriss's of the world where I sit back and I'm like, okay, what, what are you actually doing? And I, Dan, I'll tell you, that's an interesting thing to bring up. I, the reason I do, here's why I, my definition of somebody who's like a, a global impactor is somebody that has changed the dialogue around something. When you look at Tim Ferriss, he's a human guinea pig. He's known as the guy who has tried anything and everything to optimize efficiency. And I think he created the avenue for people to think about their lives differently if they were an entrepreneur. Before the four-hour work week, that train of thought really didn't exist about hopping around and being resourceful in different ways. When you look at Gary Vaynerchuk, Elon Musk, sure, he's colonizing a new planet. He's done all these great things. Same with Steve Jobs with what he did with Apple was incredible. But in the new age, when you look at Gary Vaynerchuk, he's created a platform to allow people to realize like, hey, you can build your own brand. You can be your own person. And I think he showcased a lot of things that no one ever would think about or know about. And he's, he's brought to light a lot of ways for people to build. So I, I think that that's, that is that guy is on that level in a different arena. So just to be yeah, he's revolutionized new age marketing. So just to he has, so, that's a great way of putting you, it. You guys are almost talking about Gary Vee like he is the founder of all these platforms. When you really think about it, like I, I think he shed light on. I think he he's the indirect founder. When you really think about, I think Gary Vee shed light on bringing attention to interactivity and usability and how to actually work with these platforms. Yeah. Even think of us, Anchor. I found out about Anchor from us from seeing something Gary Vee wrote on LinkedIn no, I know, like I, a year ago. I guess, I guess the question is, it's not, it's not like Gary Vee was the first one to be like, yo, like this is how to do it. Gary Vee basically was doing was documenting what other people were successfully already doing. I mean, you're telling me before Gary Vee, no one else had figured out how to really successfully digitally market I'm just trying not, I, not to tell the world about it. I think he was the best one to bring everything culminated into one. I, I, where I mean, he created a platform within a platform where he's like, hey, I'm going to piggyback off all of these platforms and make sense of it while building my business. Like with Wine TV, Wine Library, when you look at him taking over his dad's store and documenting, documenting, like Corey, even when I was telling Dan, me and him should be documenting our journeys when we get into Charleston and New York. Like the, I think there's so much power in everyday life that he has brought attention to. And it, it's just taken on a life of its own. And I think it's created not only new businesses for people, but new industries. I, Thanks to well, him. I guess the, go ahead, Corey. No, I was going to say, like, he was so successful that even when, like in the book, when Viddler came out, they gave him a mass amount of equity, you know, to try to blow it up because they saw that he was on the forefront of YouTube and was so successful at that and growing his brand that like, all right, maybe this guy can, you know, help. Obviously it didn't work out in that sense, but he really has revolutionized every single, he's mastered every social media marketing platform that has come out. I I think you just hit on that too. I think he really began the influencers. When you really think about influencers in social media, he made that an actual thing with the way he was at the forefront of vlogging, literally back in the mid-2000s. Like, this guy was ahead of the game, and influencers were not a thing before Gary Vee came around. I think he's purely responsible for that, yeah. for creating the influencer terminology, I, which in itself, in the day we're in in 2020, he is on the Steve Jobs level, in my opinion, well, the re- for that reason. The reason I originally brought that up was because when you really ask the question of 
how i mean you're basically saying like how all in do you have to go as far as balance and we were obviously diving into that friday when we talked to chris and ultimately i don't think that that is the type of work where you need to go all in to get to the ultimate peak of success and i personally have never experienced that type of work i don't think someone that's on the cusps of curing cancer is on the same playing field as Gary V or someone that was about to make a thing that's going to fit in your palm that carries all the music that you can communicate with someone that's so on the, on the cusp of changing the world as we know it, that like, I, I just, I look at them as two separate things. And I honestly think if you are somebody that's going into being an influencer like Gary V, it is possible to have balance. And that's where, when I was reading his book, I don't know if you saw the little thing that I wrote yesterday, just summarizing that we were going to talk about this. That I threw up on the website, but ultimately like he basically is, it's funny that we read him right after we're reading Tim Ferriss. Cause it's almost like the complete opposite. He preaches that you can't have balance. If you want to be successful, he even says at the beginning, you can't have an hour and a half lunch. You can't take the time to hang out with your boys or watch YouTube videos or golf. And it's like, fuck that. Like, is that, is that, but Dan, again, I think he, in his defense, he even says, if your definition of success is hanging out with your boys, enjoying a round of golf and having life work balance and not being, a behemoth, that's success. I, I think that's all relative to, you know, depending on who you're talking well, to. Okay, so, and yeah. for you to go over Steve Jobs with the, you know, putting stuff in your pocket versus him, I think every, they've been revolutionizing things in completely different eras and different ways. So it's about how many people do you have an impact on? Like when you look at Kobe Bryant's death, he was clearly an, a global icon. Look at how many people he impacted. So when I even brought up how I, I don't get the whole legacy thing, that is, to me, legacy. Did you impact a lot of people? That, to me, is a legacy. That's the only thing that makes sense. So when, it, when you look back at this era with Gary Vee in 20, 30 years, is he going to be looked at as a guy that revolutionized the, in, uh, the game? And I think so. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I mean it's, he's different than a lot of other people that we're talking about, but he did revolutionize the game. I mean, think about how crowded social media is in, in general and how he has figured out, like you said it, one on every platform, figured out how to utilize each one, made bold predictions, investments early on in some of these things. Not all of them worked. He admitted that in the book. But I think a lot of it just comes down to this guy sees the future and he, he's an executor. Yeah. He, see, he envisions and then does it. He keeps doing it. And I, what I love about Gary Vaynerchuk, you know, you guys know I've been a big fan of his for years. He's real. Like he's authentic. Even if he repeats shit some days, he's being a human that's building his grind. And the one thing I will say that bothers me about the guy, and I know we've kind of joked on the side about this, he should showcase hanging out on a Sunday doing nothing. Where people shouldn't feel pressure to be always having to be on because they think Gary Vee's on when he's actually not always on. But then he then he would be actually working when he that's his one day of rest. You know what it is, Corey? I more that's mean such a good just point. highlighting. That's such a good point. I more though. mean highlighting Sunday as a day of rest. That's what I'm highlighting. Like guys, take a break. He doesn't ever fucking do that. It's literally like no matter what you think Gary Vaynerchuk is sleeping under a desk churning shit out when the reality is a lot of this stuff scheduled way in advance. Now he has such a big team working for him. It's just like, 
I mean, I know he does everything and he does a shitload, but it's like, how much is he actually doing now that he has hundreds of employees? He's got people following him around with a camera all day, every day. I mean, he's just, I mean, he's obviously doing everything, but it's, you know. Yeah, I think it, re- but that's kind of where I'm getting at with you guys. How, what I'm really asking is, how do you define success? Like for you both individually with what we're on the journey together now, what is your definition of success with what we're doing for your own personal lives and our business? My my definition of success when it comes to our business, whether it's the new business or our current business, is seeing things grow. And I, I think I could say the same in my personal life and my business life and in any department of life, whether it's my personal relationships my business, my golf game, if I'm trying to get good at, let's say, Adobe anime, like just seeing progress. Progression. Yeah, any form of progression, but actually having a way to track that progression. It's one thing to say you're progressing at something, and it's another to actually be going in circles when you think you're progressing. And, you know, I I think a lot of people get stuck in that, where it's like, are you really... It's the speed where you're just like going in circles without doing anything versus actually building momentum. Yeah, but ultimately, yeah, like there is nothing. Go, no, finish off then. I was just going to say that ultimately at the end of the day, like I, I can go to sleep feeling good if I feel like I had some sort of progression in that day and something I did, I, I got a little bit better at. And the next day, because of that, I'm going to be better off. And I know that's like the most cliche bullshit ever, but it's really not because it's like if our numbers are going down, that's not progression. That means that like the business is not succeeding. If the numbers are going up, that is progression. And don't get me wrong, there's minor things within. Like if we're launching a rewards program and we're upgrading our app, those are pieces of progression too. So you can't always just pinpoint it to one or two things. But ultimately, for me, that's what it comes down to. Well, well, you're going over results versus process, right? Yeah. Like there, there's results driven progression and also process driven, you know, progression. Which brings up yeah, the- like there's. What's up, Corey? Sorry, Dan. I was just going to say, there's nothing that ever made me happier than like when we launch a new market and just watching new orders come in, new customers come in. That was just like the best feeling in the world. Yeah. Nothing feels better than absolutely. That. You're so right. Best feeling yeah. ever. Climbing a mountain where you're just building momentum. Yeah. And then you can relax and enjoy that when you see it working. Uh, yeah. And I heard something interesting on another podcast that I like to listen to. And it was basically saying like a lot of the times when you're in the process, you have no actual idea if it's going to lead to anything. So that's where the process. Well, I think that's entrepreneurship, right? It's, it's figuring out, just figuring a way at figuring a way. Yeah. It's on true entrepreneurship is figuring it out some way, somehow. For sure. And that you're right. The process, like all the stuff we're working on, I think that's what separates though people from being able to be in this game is there's no guarantees in this world. But I think that's part of what we all love about it. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's hard to picture doing something else. Like I, I don't think I could ever, ever go to an office job ever again. It's like one, you, besides, you know, the, the different, the main day-to-day differences it's just like i don't you'll never have that thrill ever again of being an entrepreneur where yeah our backs have been against the wall so many times and we've adapted and and seen things work seen some things not work but seeing it work makes everything amazing just it's funny you say that Corey, because i was literally telling dan the same thing when we were at dinner the other night was just 
I would never, I can't, like, I literally can't work for someone at this point in the game. It's not even, like, a thing I'm capable of thinking like. We've been in creation mode for so long and building. It's just, we got to keep doing that and figuring out how to win on another level. Yep. Yeah, and, you know, guys, with crushing it, to dive into that a bit, to summarize, to be honest with you, this reminded me somewhat of Damon John's book. Except was, yeah. not with yeah, except not with as big of names. I thought John's book was way better. Gary V, I love you if you ever hear this, but crushing it, man, I don't know. I, I thought your earlier books were way better. This was kind of a I know it was like a, a second uh, edition it, yeah. of Crush It. And I get that. I think we're so in, intertwined in his day to day already, like what he has going on that I was reading this and I'm like, I already have been a part of his journey from afar the last few years. And like all these things were not really new to me. So it was cool seeing how he broke down people that he kind of, he, the way he did this was he had an audition where people submitted their stories. And some of these people he never even met that he wrote about in crushing it, which I yeah, thought that's was, how really it's cool. cool. And, yeah, so and more than Dame John, he had, he had a little bit more to say on each chapter. He did. Event. You're right, Corey. That's a great point. He went into more of the, of the people executing instead of just the fluff. Where it was like, oh, wait, in Damon John's book, there wasn't a lot of direction beyond the story. And with this, there were step-by-step instructions of how these people built up YouTube brands or whatever they might be doing. And I, I thought it was cool. I, you know, overall, not one of my favorite reads, but definitely bits and pieces. I think we could talk, take like Dan, you bringing up the other day, like when you moved to Charleston, the notion of you providing free value to a business to build a report and maybe then indirectly make sense of us launching Lodell. There was a part in this book that you hit on the head with that, where somebody was trying to build up a business and they provided a free service to a tourism company and it led to a massive deal for them through a reference since they built rapport, community built. So I think it, it goes to show for us, I think that we're doing the right things right now with engaging, creating platforms to, what love or hate for people, but we're, we're making ourselves relevant in numerous ways. And I think it was cool seeing not the Kevin planks of the world, but the average Joe's of the world broken down in here where it was almost like, listen, if you have a will in a way you can make it work. It's just not going to be overnight. Yeah. And why I liked it, I mean, I knew we obviously knew most of these things he went over, but there are a lot of things that we're getting into, um, you know, that I liked, uh, like one of the things he always said it was um, to answer every single comment any customer makes, negative or positive. And, you know, that's something we've been debating. It's like, you know, that, that that's good insight. You should answer every single customer no matter what they say. I mean, he's, he was saying that he went back and forth with customers millions of times, but that's when they liked his authenticity because he would just always, you know, stress his point that he believed in. I do happen to, whenever I see negative reviews on our, uh, you know, ads, I will directly message the person personally just to try to, whether it's on Instagram or Facebook, trying to just put a face to the name and not even like trying to defend ourselves, more of just really appreciate the insight. Not with the you food know, reviews, right? No, no, no. I'm talking about our ads oh, okay. that you have, you know, like of where someone's like, oh, fuck these guys. Like there won't be delivery companies soon with these third parties where I'm like, hey, man, thanks for the insight. We're local. We've been in Boulder X amount of time where I'm not even trying to say like fuck off or anything like that or defend us. It's more of 
trying to just throw out an olive branch where the guy feels like a jerk. <laughs> Worst case scenario, nothing comes of it. But they might be a little have some humility and be like, you know what? I'm going to throw these guys a bone. Yeah, just to go back yeah. to the uh, – just to throw one comment. The one comment I'll say about Crush It. I didn't even read Crush It. This was my first book on Gary Vaynerchuk that I've read. But I had mixed feelings about it. But I will say – Anybody who runs a business needs to read this book. It's definitely like a book that you will pick up on little things that you could utilize for your business. Even with us, like the biggest takeaway that I got five minutes within five minutes when I started reading the book was if these food reviews get a little bit bigger, we could probably get some product placement in them. And like Corey, I know, dude, a hundred fucking percent. Dan, yeah. Without question. I know you had like the Mountain Dew connection going, something like that, even if it wasn't like that much money, but it was like, Hey, we're doing these food reviews. We'll have everyone in the review, have a bottle of Mountain Dew with them and open it and drink it right before they eat the food. And you know what I mean? Things like that. that, that yeah. Uh, all I'm getting at is anyone who runs a business, they will guarantee at least get one takeaway from that book that they could incorporate into their business that'll no doubt help them. The one thing I will say though, is like when it comes down to Gary Vee, and I know we talked about this with Chris is if you're not somebody that's able to have like a 24 seven engine, it does sometimes seem overwhelming because at the end of the day, there are eight, nine, 10 different platforms that he's saying you absolutely have to be on if you want to be successful and I don't necessarily know if that's true. I don't think you could stick to one, but I think you got to not burn out. And Well, you got to know your audience too. You're spot on, Dan. It's not like every business needs to be on eight platforms. Like we've even seen, not saying it's right, but even with Snapchat, when, when you look at the dialogue there and the dynamics of that channel, what can we really do to distinguish ourselves on Snap that's really different from Insta stories at the moment? When you actually think about our brand and what we're trying to accomplish, there's not, especially with us introducing TikTok now too. It's, and I think we've done a pretty good job of that, of knowing like, yeah, we're across the board on a lot of things, but we're not just going to be doing something just to do it. Well, yeah, right? I think more than anything, he was saying like, you should always try those platforms without just writing them off. And that, for sure. And, and that's, it, doesn't work for yeah, and that's where it gets kind of like, how many fucking platforms are there that like I've never I personally never in my life used Vimeo or whatever and I'm not entirely sure what it is is it like a YouTube thing you guys tell me what a viddler no like v- Vimeo you're yeah, talking VNMO. about that, isn't that that video platform? That's oh, yeah. Like, I have like streamed yeah. videos on that. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, it's basically like another streaming platform for videos. All right, so like my whole point is I agree with you, Corey. Like you shouldn't be closed-minded on anything. And to, keep in mind, anyone listening to this, this is not me trying to give advice as much as just my thoughts on this book. It's like if you start to get too diverse with your thought process – and you don't stay focused on a couple specific things or even like one great thing. I, I always personally think like, what is the one great thing I should be focusing on every day? And that's when it starts to get, you know, Gary vee has got a team of a hundred people and it allows him to really do what he does. And for people who don't, it was one of the things that I was thinking about with the brunch boys interview is like, yeah, he, he does all his own shit. Well, when he was, I, was, I was more talking about like when he was bringing up the TikTok thing, 
And I'm thinking to myself, like, all right, I get it. Like TikTok's this thing that's clearly blowing up. Everyone's on it and you feel the need to be on it. But it's like, first off, if you're doing all your own shit, do you really, do you really need to be on TikTok or is that going to just add that much more stress to your life where like, what, what are you really trying to accomplish there? And again, I'm not saying you should or shouldn't. I, I don't know, but I do know that one person could only handle so much. And if you start spending an hour a day on TikTok, it's going to take away from whatever your thought process is trying to build an Instagram channel. That's gotten you over 450,000 people I, liking it. It's yeah. just a food for thought. I, I think it's also, though, you got to keep in mind, I think part of where he might have not done a great job depicting this, his whole thing with, like, try try everything, you're going to see what's calling to you, what platforms are popping and what aren't. And I think even with us, when you look at how we're getting in a rhythm with Jeff here with a routine of editing audiograms and being able to churn out a lot of content from one platform, like, if you look at what we've done, guys, evolving from just using Anchor on our mobile apps to now Squadcast and creating YouTube clickbaits and audiograms just from one podcast. I think there's a lot to be said for just being organized with a, a plan. And I think we're getting there where we're utilizing the different platforms in ways to be time efficient with churning out. And yeah, it seems overwhelming with the way Gary V breaks it down for people. But when you really get into the brass tacks and get into what routine works for your company, I think it, it, it's there, right? Yeah, like I, I think mean, that we, we are onto something with this. Yeah, you got to follow the eyeballs. Like he said, wherever the eyeballs are going, you should be on that platform, but it has to be relative to whatever you're doing. For sure. And it's also and yeah. when you're not already like a big media influencer already going into it, like you have to spend time building up the platforms with the engagement. So it's like if right off the bat you're starting off and you're trying to even get those first 50 followers, 60 followers, that's what's taking the time. Not even like the posting on the platforms. You might be able to get a cool video up in about an hour, but that's where it's like, all right, what are you, what are you really trying to build? And how are you going to actually get a thousand YouTube subscribers and a thousand Twitter followers and a thousand Instagram followers? There's no shortcuts. Shout out to Jeff too for doing a good job so far, getting us off to the races here with followers. He's been hammering. And that's what this is, guys. It's a hammer every damn day. You're building a house and eventually it's up and it's not leaking and it's work. It's not breaking down and it works. And it just, a lot of people can't have the fortitude and resilience to not see the instant results. The, I think that's really what this is, is the patience and persistence. For sure. And the engagement I'm talking about, I feel like we sometimes don't even go into this type of stuff enough and just assume everyone's going to just naturally know what it is we're talking about. But the way we've always done this, and it still works to this day, whether it's Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, it, it's interacting with the other users in the community that you're trying to build. So, Absolutely. so if you're trying to grow a YouTube presence and you're trying to increase subscribers, what you need to be doing is interacting and commenting and subscribing to other channels that you want doing it back to you and not just subscribing, like actually commenting on the videos and Engaging. engaging and doing that on all and, and Dan, you're dead on too. Yeah, and, and that's a great it's point. The same with Instagram. Like, if you're trying to actually grow a handle in a market, it's not that hard. The Instagram provides you with the tools 
to find all the different people in the market, all the different posts that are going on. And all it takes is you spending time giving love to the different people that eventually will give love back to you. Obviously, you got to put out good content. But what I'm kind of getting at is I think we know a lot about how to actually build those handles. And I think a lot of people just focus on the content and the engagement part of it. If you ask me is the easy part, it's just you got to do it and it's tedious and it's hours and hours every day to actually build it up. And that's where I agree with Gary Vee that it's such a constant thing. Like if you do it one day and don't do it another, you're not going to get anywhere. And I mean, yeah. Corey, Corey can attest to this. Look what he's done for us with the B-Town menus handle. He traveled drink. And Corey, I'm sure. Yeah, mile man, high, you could. Mile mile yeah. And also, you could attest to this, Corey. The fact, I think where a lot of people lose sight, they think they need to only be engaging with the rock stars. The yeah. reality is where you win are the people that might only have four or five followers or 50. The local influencers, yeah. Exactly. Who are, they have friends. They have family. It's They're literally- people. Yeah, and so, that's what builds. That's, exactly. That house, think about who wins the presidency. The guy that gets all these middle of nowhere votes. It's not someone that's getting a celebrity on stage to run a concert. Yeah, that's no. the reality here. Sometimes the biggest influencers are a local brand. I mean, here, like Pizza X, Buffaloes, you piggyback off them, you shout them out, they repost you. That's the best way to build organic followers, things like that. And yeah, there, there's a lot more to it, but... I mean, obviously, the the cheat code is to just spend money, which not everyone has, but, you know, that's the fastest way to do it. But obviously, yeah, piggybacking off local influencers is the best way to build a brand locally. I think there's no doubt, too, we'll reach a point where we'll want to start juicing some ad spend behind this to build this up. But we want to get to that organic base first where we have enough outreach and oomph to then get that to a whole nother stratosphere for every cent we're spending. I think there's something to be said there, right? You guys, do you agree where it comes to, all right, we're not going to just start spending money to get YouTube subscribers when we have less than 100 subscribers. But when we get to 500, that could start feeling like there's something there where it'll be way easier to justify getting more people to build because we'll have the credibility. Someone will see be like, oh shit, these guys have hundreds of subscribers. This is interesting because let's be real. We're a herd species. People follow what other people are doing and that builds up. What I did like that he was saying is that Twitter is the big, it's the best uh, social network to like get virality super quick because of the retweet button. And if you have something that sticks, put it on Twitter. We can take our YouTube videos, put it on Twitter. I know he was saying like, yeah, every platform has their own audience, but with Twitter, you can kind of take a look. Obviously, a lot of people are looking for news feeds, but people are also looking for funny short videos. You can put your TikToks on Twitter, put your YouTube videos on Twitter, and those that's uh, you know a good way to try to get a lot of followers quickly. I think Twitter we can build up faster than anything. I got to hundred percent. I've also been. That's why I've been trying to get way more posts frequently for us on, as you guys are seeing on our handles with like five to seven a day. And also with that, if you notice one really great point they brought up in crushing it, when you're trying to reach an influencer, Twitter is actually the most likely place for you to get attention without as much saturation with messages. So yep. even the other day, I and Eagle the broadcaster has a Twitter account and barely any followers. So I hit him up on there thinking I have his personal email. I'm hoping he gets back to me, but that is pretty interesting when you think about, I think Twitter really gets ignored for communicating a lot. Yeah. And I used to do this all the time, um, especially on Instagram, but I would hit up like, all right, if I wanted to get to Snoop Dogg, I would find out like 
his his wife's handle. I would look at his like wife's cousin or his wife's or like his daughter who didn't have that many followers and be like, hey, I'd love to send you clothes or whatever it is and send a bunch and obviously get, you know, give enough clothes to Snoop Dogg so Snoop Dogg would wear it. But you could reach out to people who don't have as many followers that are close to that person you're trying to get. And then bam, it just Corey, happens. That's like one of the most clever social media and hacks I- I've ever heard. Corey has always been a natural at outreach. When you think about one of his biggest natural gifts, it's the ability to get through the weeds and figure out how to reach somebody. That And dude, that's incredible as we've been building up this next phase in the podcast. That's a, a trait that's really going to continue to come in handy on another level. So kudos to you for having while that. While we're talking about this, for our listeners, if you guys haven't, please take the time. Go to the Bootstrapped in the Trenches YouTube channel and the Bootstrapped in the Trenches just on the podcast you're listening to and subscribe, give us a rating, share it, tell your friends about it. We're trying to blow this shit up. Hopefully you're enjoying all the content here and dialogue and conversation. And just from three regular dudes who started a business and have been in this game since 15 year, for 15 years in a crowded space, and we're just really just shooting the shit, telling you exactly how it is. So subscribe. You guys, yeah, like behind closed doors, guys. That's what's cool about this. We're not sugarcoating shit. I think that's something, guys, we've talked about too a bit, where a lot of these books, everything's crushing it. The best days. We talked about this a little with Chris the other day, Corey, and how that we were trying to be real on that podcast too, where it's like, be your authentic self. Show the world it's not all roses and peaches and cream. Shit happens. Like there are shitty days, there are shitty hours. And I, I think that's a cool thing for us to showcase where you can impact someone that might be down on themselves knowing we've all been there many times and everyone has. And I don't think Dan really brought this to my attention the other day when we were trying to figure out, can we get an ebook going? He was like, dude, the way to do this is us going over the flaws, the mistakes we've made, not just talking about five ways to build a brand like every other damn company. So I think that's really enlightening to think about. It was. Even in that video you guys put together, really cool. It kind of said, hey, we tried this, didn't work. Tried that, didn't work. And now we're doing this and we're seeing results. You guys should check out. Oh, uh, yeah. I was working on it today a little bit. TheRollingGroup.com. Go to it right now. I'm just Obviously, there's like a long ways to go here. Not even, actually. It's probably like four more hours of work. But, it's you know, I think it's starting to come to life a little could fuck around with the colors and all types of things, but I'm just curious what you guys think of like this general layout. Oh, it looks good. It's just, I'm still loading for me. It's getting there. I think we got to work on the actual uh, outlines, not the out, the, uh, like the, the fonts. What are you, the fonts and what's it called? The bound, the actual boundaries, like the lines around things. Like I think we could do some things with just kind of, I'm trying to think of the right word. So here's my thought process on it all. The the paragraph under the video needs to be way closer to the video. These are things Anthony's going to help with. And then like the hour full story button needs to be right below the paragraph. So it's like kind of that. So you're clicking to read more about it. And like there needs to be less gaps between everything. And then when you go down and you look at the four different packages – I only put anything under the first one, but those actually need to link to pages and then be filled with the information that the packages have. And then if you click like the be inspired or at the top, the inspiration, filling this page up with like tons of different pieces of content, which will be really easy to do, just taking the time to do it. 
Dan, the one thing I, I agree with Corey said earlier about the font. I think we should shift like the beginning part of that. I think we should make a different font. What, what? you mean the hello and thank you part? Yeah, yeah I think we could get a, do a better job of getting that to Peacock a bit. Yeah, having, We're definitely having a, cool a good start. Yeah, good start for sure. It's definitely getting there. Yeah, and obviously, like at the end of the day, I think what, at least what me and Anthony came to the realization of is like how advanced do we really need this website to be is more of like a website that has everything that we needed to have looks good looks clean and it's something we can refer people to for portfolios for more information things like that you know what i mean this isn't like low dell where people are going to be like ordering food from it it's more of like an information site right yeah i look at more as like a portfolio of what we can do just to show people yeah yeah. yeah, we got to definitely change up some of the design with these lines. It just looks – I'm trying to think of the right word. I know you guys know what I'm talking about here. Like the, Go to, the way the background like color is compared with like how the lines blend in, there needs to be more definition go to on these in, things. Go to bootstrappedinthetrenches.com now because change some stuff with that around this weekend, and that's just fucking – Dan, we have a Jewish mother getting pissed here that we're late for dinner, by the way. Uh, we're going to have to – Let's uh, wrap this up. Yeah, Corey, you know how that game right, goes. Go, Shout out to you. Go to Bootstrap right now. That, In my opinion, that looks really fucking dirty. Yeah, I, I actually like this a lot better. Yeah, I mean, I mean this is just – this is like Way actually better. complete. Yeah. The other one's just kind of started. But this has like multiple videos on it. It's just like – to me, this is sick. I think it's easy fix. Uh, even with the other side, I think a lot of it's just like the font and like kind of like the def- definition. Like this has more of like the other one to me just seems too blended. I don't know if it's the coloring and the font or like the lack and of it's like, you know, it just it, seems more defined on bootstrap in the trenches. Yeah. yeah, yeah that, that's pretty much it. This one's just very spaced out so far. Yeah. yeah I mean, it, that's what it yeah, is. It it's the space now part, I think. There, which it'll get. But uh, yeah, anyone who's uh, listening to this, check out bootstrappedinthetrenches.com. It's our website. We also kind of post you know, blog posts about our weekly podcasts and things like that. And we post all the podcasts on there and some cool videos, just random shit. Definitely check it out. It's pretty cool. And great job tonight, guys. We have exciting things coming up. Corey has a dominant meeting with Indiana University tomorrow. And mm-hmm. uh going to crush that. And then next week, the outreach begins for uh, more revenue building. And last note, uh, Mike, what's the book we'll be reading next week if anyone's following along? Corey, that's a great question. The book we're going to be reading next week, let me pull this up for a second. I texted to you guys earlier. I actually just downloaded it on my Kindle. It's a novel. Let me find it here. Hold on. Where did I? uh... Oh, yeah. American Dirt by Janine Cummins. Is our okay. book next week? So it's if you're a following novel, along, so this is not a yep. Check it out, read it, subscribe to the YouTube channel. Enjoy our first day. non-business book too, Corey. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, what about that book we read last week? Um, Mastermind. Mastermind. Well, I, I'm sorry, you're right, but that this this is the first real novel that's got not it. a true story. That's what I meant. Got it. Got it. All right. But, Enjoy dinner, guys. Strapped in the trenches, making moves going all out. Every day handle business. You know that the hustle don't stop. Got my team, let's get it. Reviewing books and talk stocks. Steady keep it moving. So you gon' wanna tune in. Get Lodell, it's an app. Get local food on demand. 
delivery right to your home everything in the palm of your hand took hard work and dedication come through join the conversation this is history up in the making we just want to be an inspiration hey let's go